Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Daily Sweat Podcast. I am super excited for today's interview. We have an amazing guest on, none other than Jill Coleman of Jill Fit. Now, if you aren't familiar with Jill Coleman, um, you're about to have your mind blown because she's super amazing and talks about all things fitness, mindset, business, and Basically, she's just a serious badass. So she's the founder and CEO of Jill Fit, a lifestyle company helping women become freer, smarter, happier, and more effective. She holds a bachelor's degree in exercise science and a master's in human nutrition. She's a powerhouse entrepreneur, and she's a serious badass in the gym. So today we're talking about mindset and really how it relates to fitness and what kind of things we can do to cultivate a mindset that really supports us in achieving our fitness goals and just managing our time more effectively and being badasses in our own lives. I am not going to make you wait any longer. So here we go. Here is the interview with Jill Coleman. All right. Well, uh, let's get started. All right. Let's do it. Awesome. So first thing I want to know is who is Jill Coleman behind like the powerhouse entrepreneur that we see online and like badass in the gym? Like what kind of hobbies do you have? How do you recharge? Who are you? Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, especially with online business, a lot of what you see on the internet is very, is real. So, you know, I do spend a lot of time like walking my dog and working out and spending a lot of time on business and traveling and things like that. So, you know, it's pretty representative. I'd say probably the things that maybe I don't share as much are maybe, um, you know, some like family stuff, some friend stuff, some dating stuff, you know, a lot of that stuff maybe doesn't go on the internet. It's not really part of my brand. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when it comes to like recharging and things like that, I pretty much stick to the basics, definitely get my weight training workout. And then for me, I do a lot of leisure walking. So I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to audiobooks. Um, sometimes I just listen to music or, you know, walk with a friend, probably I would say, you know, two to three hours a day, which is kind of a lot, <laughs> but awesome. for me, that's definitely where I recharge and where I get some of my, my best ideas because, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur, we have to kind of be consistent with content and come up with different ways of saying things and be, you know, more communicative. And so for me, creation and engagement is really important. So on my walks, I get a lot of my ideas there. Awesome. Absolutely love it. I uh, was training for a triathlon last year and I found that my long bike rides was like when I would get the best ideas. And it was hard because I'd have to stop, get off the bike, make a note (laughs) of my phone and then get back to it. Yeah, I know. And I have my dog pulling me and I'm like, (laughs) I have to write this framework down. I know. That's so funny. Um, any audiobook in particular that you're loving right now? Um, I'm not really, I actually just downloaded, um, a tribe called bliss, which is hmm. Lori Harder's book that just came out yesterday or two days ago. Cool. We had Lori on um, our podcast called the best life podcast. And she talks a lot about tribe and, you know, I know you're in a mastermind. I have a mastermind as well. And, you know, being part of a group of women who are kind of doing something similar, it can be really lonely, especially if you are building a business or you're really into fitness or you're maybe trying to make a huge lifestyle change. And so the book is all about how do we find these people that we consider part of our tribe or have like, like like-minded, maybe positive way of looking at things, possibility mindset, success mindset, and how do we find those people and then cultivate those relationships? I know, you know, for a lot of us, we kind of get bogged down in the day to day, or we just see our coworkers, we just see, you know, our significant other and we, and our kids, we don't really get to really experience, um, you know, maybe different, different people for different roles and social support, emotional support, intellectual support, things like that. So I'm really loving the book. And, um, and we, like I said, we had her on our podcast and it was really cool. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And congrats to you guys on your podcast as well. I've uh, been listening to it on my walks and I, I love it. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun. And, you know, we're at this point not sure exactly what we're going to do with it, but it's just a really cool way to share and, new, and a new medium for both of us. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Yeah. Cool. So I want to switch gears into fitness a little bit because a lot of our listeners here are super, super into fitness. And I want to know a little bit about your own fitness journey too. Like, were you always into fitness or did something shift in your life that propelled you into it? You know, I'm, I'm definitely one of those lucky people who always loved exercise. I grew up as an athlete. So for me, it was more about how can I like push myself a little bit harder. So mm-hmm. I grew up as an athlete, always loved exercise, got a degree in exercise science, got a master's in nutrition. For me, it was never, it was always part of my, you know, a lot of my peers were going to medical school or they were going to physician assistant school or physical therapy school. And I was like, I'm staying in fitness. This is what I love to do. I didn't know what that was going to look like as a job, but mm-hmm. for me, there were, it, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster. So I haven't really had any times in my life when I just didn't exercise at all, but I, I definitely had some rebounding and things like that. When I took my fitness to an extreme level, when I was competing, I was getting up on stage and I was doing fitness competitions and a lot of fitness modeling, and there was a lot of really strict dieting. And so for me, I got to the point where I didn't like exercise anymore. It was something I grew up loving, loving the feel of it, and feeling as though it was a full-time job and a chore to get to the gym sometimes two, three times a day, and feeling like, okay, I don't even enjoy this anymore. How can I go back to figuring out a way to really love it? And you know, I do credit CrossFit for getting me out of that kind of like old routine I was in. And I don't always recommend CrossFit for everybody, but for me at that time in my life, this is maybe 2013, 2014, when I was like, okay, I need a shift. And it was nice to have a different way of exercising. I had traditionally done like more bodybuilding type stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think it goes in ebbs and flows. So if you're listening to this and going, well, you know, gee, Jill, it must be nice. You just, you know, love exercise or whatever. I know a lot of people it's not for them or they don't feel that way. It's hard to get to the gym. It's hard to be consistent. Um, you know, I think that it's okay to have ebbs and flows in your motivation and your level of boredom or your level of engagement and just honor that. I think sometimes we get down on ourselves. Like, why can't we get to the gym or why aren't we being consistent? Sometimes you need a little bit of a reset, even just a mental reset from Mm -hmm. exercise. For me, it has been a long, I've been in the industry for 20 years, but I've always, I've had plenty of ups and downs in my fitness in that time. Awesome. And I think it's so important for people to understand that even those of us who are fitness people, quote unquote, um, that those ebbs and flows are natural because I think it's easy to look at people like you or another very prominent fitness professional and be like, wow, that's great that she's doing it all the time, but that's not me. So I think that's great that you mentioned that. And everyone has competing interests, right? So, you know, I remember doing two, three hours a day of exercise and then I started my business and I was like, Hey, I can't actually spend this much time at the gym. If I'm trying to, you know, build this business and, you know, do the online thing and impact all these people, I really can't afford to be here. And this can't be a full-time job. So, you know, if you're a mom or your dad and you're, you know, you have competing priorities, you have a full-time job, you're sitting at your desk all day. Like you're, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into your level of motivation. And like you said, I think just honoring that and knowing that that is normal. And it's also trusting that it is transient because in my experience, it definitely is. Mm -hmm. So for someone who is maybe in that position right now, they're stuck in an office job or they're really busy with family responsibilities and they've never really even gotten to that kind of peak in the ebb ebb and flow of exercise. It's always been a challenge for them. Like what's your biggest tip for someone who's just getting started? Yeah. So I love this question because, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can go. I think there's a lot of schools of thought on this. A lot of people are just like, throw yourself into it. To me, I'm always like minimum effective dose. Mm -hmm. So 
one of the things that happens, especially when we talk about, um, you know, weight loss or body change or, you know, any sort of like coming to an elite fitness level, we want to go all in. So most of us will go, well, if I can't go to the gym for an hour, I might as well not even do anything. Or if I can't go five, six days a week, then it's what, what is, why is it even worth it? And so one of the things that I've done in my work is really start to help re- people reframe their expectations around what they can do. It doesn't need to be all or nothing. And I think we tend to think that it does when it comes to nutrition and fitness. We're like, well, if I'm not going to do it right, I just shouldn't do it. Why bother putting the effort if it's not going to give me this extreme result? And so really for someone who is at an office job, like you can get a really amazing workout in like literally 10 to 15 minutes a day, you know, five days a week, four days a week. And I'd much rather someone do 10 minutes, five days a week, then go to the gym one time, be there for like an hour and a half and then feel unmotivated for the next two, two weeks or sore or something like that. So you think about it from the perspective of, can you be consistent and can you do something that's that minimum effective dose? Maybe it's a little bit intense, but it's only 10 or 15 minutes. You're going to get a lot more out of that. And it's going to feel really accessible versus feeling like I have to go to the gym. I have to be there for an hour and a half or else it's not worth it. That's just a mindset shift. So really reframing it in your mind of like, what is that look like for somebody? How do I fit that into my schedule. A lot of us have to audit our time. We don't, you know, we, we watch television or play games on our phone or we're scrolling on social media. You know, we can in effect get a really amazing workout 10, 15 minutes, and then we can get back to doing those things. But a lot of us, we need to like get clear on when are we going to do this? How are we going to fit it into our schedule and how are we going to make it a low hanging fruit? So do you need to do it in your house, you know, rather than going to the gym? Do you have, can you do a bodyweight workout? Can you do it with dumbbells? Can you do it with a friend? What's going to help you feel motivated? And is it, you know, do you need to do something you enjoy? Even if, you know, I think weight training is the best way to exercise, but at the same time, if we're talking about minimum effective dose, metabolism, body change, but if you're just someone who loves Zumba, then do that. Or you love walking, like just do that for now. And then over time, maybe you'll lift some weights too. Exactly. Like the best way isn't going to be the best way if you don't actually do it. So (laughs) totally. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Cool. You are speaking my language on all of that. Now you talked a little bit about a mindset shift here and you alluded to this a bit before in that, you know, when you were competing and you were spending tons and tons of time in the gym and I know a competitor's diet is very restrictive. Like what was the process of switching your mindset from that one that was quite heavily into restriction to your current mindset that seems to be much more of moderation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So for for, de- for sure, this is a huge mindset shift because one of the things that, you know, I did, you don't really notice it until at least I didn't, I didn't notice what was going on until I was really deep in it. And so for me, exercise and nutrition and looking a certain way was a control mechanism. So I got to, if I just ate these foods, if I just did this much exercise, then I could control the way that I looked. And for some reason, the way that I looked, then I could control how others perceived me, right? I was good enough. I was getting the affirmation. I was getting the approval. I was getting the kind of comments, um, you know, and considerations and things like that, that made me feel good. And so this was really interesting to me because it was the first time growing up, I had been more, you know, kind of, uh, congratulated for like maybe my, you know, my athletic ability or, um, my good grades. So getting affirmation for my body was really new. So once I started down the road of doing fitness competitions, you know, everyone around me was like, when's your show? You look so amazing. What are you doing? Ask me questions and getting that kind of attention became addictive. So after the first competition that I did, I ended up losing about 20 pounds. And then I put the weight back on like pretty quickly, like within about a month, I put all the weight back on and I just felt so 
weak and I just felt so ashamed. And I remember just feeling embarrassed walking around town. Here is people who were just a month ago telling me how amazing I looked. And, you know, by the way, when I was my off season or after the show, I still looked great and fine and athletic and all that kind of stuff, but it, I didn't have the, the kinds of comments I was getting before. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but, and I didn't have the tools at that point to go like, okay, what's going on here? Like, why am I feeling these? I didn't even know to identify even the feelings of shame and guilt and embarrassment. I didn't even know that I was feeling those things really. And so my solution was just to do another show. I was like, okay, well, I just need to get back in shape because then the comments and the affirmation starts to come back. Right. And then I was like submitting myself to magazines. I was getting asked to do talks at places. So you get addicted, or at least I did, I got addicted to the affirmation and the attention that I was getting when I looked a certain way. So And I was doing that for five or six years. And so it took a long time to go, okay, what's going on here? I'm pretty miserable, even just to have the acknowledgement that I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. And what is this for? And how do I want to live moving forward? Like, is this all that there is? And really, if I'm honest, it, it, it was right around the time that I launched my business that I just had that moment of, I have to figure this out because I can't build a business, be successful over here and also be body obsessed. I can't do both at the same time. So I'm going, how can I feel worthy and how can I feel like I'm contributing with, and it has nothing to do with my body. Cause that was the only way I felt a sense of self-worth was through how do I look? And so like, okay, now I'm going, I'm going to start this blog. I'm going to start this business. I'm getting affirmation for that. I love your writing. I love, right. So it's the same, it's the same thing, just a different outfit, right? So we go, okay, I'm going to get affirmation now for my business. I'm going to affirmation for my writing. I'm going to affirmation for social media, whatever that looks like. And so it became a mindset shift of how do I just feel worthy if I didn't have any of this stuff, right? It can't be like shakes. It can't be likes, comments, followers, fans, it can't, and it also can't be my body and it also can't be. And more recently getting out of my marriage was a big thing. Cause at that point I felt like I was worthy because I, I was in a, a partnership, right? Someone chose me. I was married. I got that checked off the list. And then the dissolution of the marriage goes, okay, yeah, like, can I be worthy as a single person? Right. So there's a lot of different iterations of this again, same idea, different outfit. It keeps showing up until you kind of overcome that and just go, okay, if I didn't do any of this stuff, would I still feel worthy? Would I still feel okay? Would I still feel you know, okay about my body and the way that I'm eating. And am I just doing this for me, not for outside validation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so important to really just cultivate that sense of worthiness, basically just because you're here on this planet, not for (laughs) any other reason based on external factors. And that's so hard because we do it before we even know it, we're getting addicted to that. Right. So I'm going, okay, maybe I'm over my body stuff, but now it's starting to show up in business and I'm going, okay, it's the same thing. I got to figure this out now. And so you said it, it's like, you know, just because you're here, your self-worth is inherent. And so how do you on a day-to-day basis feel that way? And for me, my practice has been, again, feeling okay, feeling good about myself, regardless of outcomes. And I have to check myself on that because I will get caught up in, okay, I'm, if I'm getting this outcome or I'm getting this result, that means I'm good. And if I'm not getting that somehow I'm bad. So I'm really trying to get clinical with it and remove the good, the bad, the right, the wrong to just be able to be objective and go, okay, this is just data, right? Someone gives me a compliment. That's amazing. But it's also data. If someone doesn't like something that I do, that's just data too, versus putting a lot of kind of my self-worth on those things. Mm, I love that because it it takes the emotion out of it. Yes. So cool. Yep. Now you said that you have those little check-ins with yourself and to just kind of cultivate that worthiness each day. Do you have like a mindset routine that you go through or any way, like any specific little morning routine or anything like that? 
You know what? I, I don't have a morning routine. I mean, I guess I do have a morning routine, but I don't really call it that for me. It's, it's, I'm not very, um, I'm, I just, it's not something that I have to do. It's not like this thing that if I don't do it, like my entire day is messed up. Right. I'm pretty right. good at being on go on the flow. Um, but I would say my thing, I follow Byron Katie's work. So Byron, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So like if your listeners don't know about her work, she has something called inquiry. And she says that we just, it's a, it's a cue to dive deeper whenever we're getting a negative emotion. So for me, it's very simple. It's literally like, if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm feeling not good enough, if I'm feeling, um, you know, embarrassed or shameful, or I'm getting triggered by something, right? I'm just getting triggered. I'm going, and this is a practice. I didn't really get this at first. I was more reactive and I was more defensive and deflecting and things like that and complaining and blaming for a long time. And now I go, okay, if I'm getting triggered, if something's here, like, why am I, why am I criticizing this person right now? Why am I judging this person? Or why do I care so much about this? And that for me is a red flag to investigate what about this situation, whatever it is, is making me feel not good enough in this moment? What is it about this thing that's triggering me and insecurity that I'm having? And so that's really what it is. We talk about not good enough or feeling unworthy. Really, to me, it's an insecurity. So I'm going, if I have this trigger moment, and again, it's identified by that negative feeling, that negative uh, emotion, that's a cue for me to just dig deeper. And that's a practice. You know, sometimes you don't want to dig deeper. You just want to be mad or you just want to be upset or you just want to be the victim or you just want to be in those spaces. And it's taken me at times, it takes me a couple of minutes. Other times it's taken me a couple of days. Other times it's taken me a couple of weeks <laughs> to start working through that and go, okay, I don't really feel like this feels like a place of helplessness where I'm just kind of at the mercy of the situation and I don't feel in my power. So how am I going to, again, reassess and start to feel more confident at this moment? Mm, that's awesome. And I think it is those, those simple little things, well, seemingly simple, I guess, and just yeah. asking yourself the questions, you know, especially now because like meditation and morning routines and all that are super popular. Yep. I'm a huge fan of it, but I think sometimes people can look at that and be like, I don't have time to do all that shit in the morning. Right. Um, and, you know, just being able to ask yourself those questions and to be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable can be just as powerful. Yeah. And it's just on the fly stuff too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, why am I being triggered by this or why am I, I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys an example. So, um, I just joined a mastermind. So I have a mastermind, but I actually joined another one and everyone in the mastermind is like really successful. And so like monetarily successful and like, you know, huge followings on social media and stuff like that. And of course I joined because I'm trying to level everything up and it's a great place to be, but I find myself getting more triggered than I've been mm. in years. So for me, it's good because I'm again, surrounding myself with people who are, are, are pushing me, encouraging me, supporting me and elevating but at the same time, I'm finding myself falling into some of the old patterns of comparison trap and things like that. And it's just a good reminder for me to be like, okay, this is the stuff. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? You and I can sit here and we can talk all day long, intellectual stuff. Yeah, okay, feel good and whatever. But when you have the opportunity presented to practice what you preach, then that, and you actually are able to do it and make a different choice, show yourself compassion, uh, give yourself the benefit of the doubt, um, show gratitude for everything that you have created. Like those are the tools that I use when I'm starting to feel that way. And so it was a good reminder for me and we can sit around and intellectualize it all day long, but the Mm -hmm. experiential is really where the change happens. So I find myself going down that path and then going, okay, what's the tool that I need right now? What is it? I need to show myself compassion. I need to be more grateful. Do I need to re-engage? Do I need to have my eyes on my own paper? Like what exactly is the tool that I need to implement? And so for me, I feel grateful that I've had this practice, but it it never goes away. You know, it's just, you get triggered in different ways as you go Mm -hmm. through that. It's just a good reminder to have those things on board. 
Yeah, totally. And you know, that's actually a perfect segue. Um, It wasn't my next point here, but one of our listeners was wondering how you deal with feelings of imposter syndrome within your business because you're such a boss and you've done so much. But um, as you just said, you know, those thoughts do pop up of like, you know, who am I to be here? And like how you mentioned a few of your tools, but do you have any suggestions um, for our listeners who experience that beyond those tools? Yes. Yes. No, this is so, so common. So if you're listening and you're going, okay, you know, that's fine for Jill, but you know, I feel like I don't really have, I haven't been doing this for that long. I mean, here's the thing. Unfortunately, the, the answer is that you just need to get more reps under your belt, like, which means you need to take more action. And so that, you know, I think sometimes we think, okay, there's law of attraction. We sit around, we have affirmations. We talk about, uh, you know, just validating ourselves and we look in the mirror and we tell ourselves that we love ourselves and we're worthy but really you're going to start to feel worthiness through competency. So you start to feel worthiness through competency and you feel like you have a right to be there the more that you do the stuff and engage with the stuff. So for example, if you are trying to build a business or you're trying to, you know, love your body more, you're trying to, you need to do the things that a person who loves their body does. I need to do the things of someone who is elevating their business does. And I start to actually become that person. So this is actually called the as if principle. Mm-hmm. The as if principle says we don't sit around and talk about this stuff. We actually have to act as if, so I know it's kind of silly, but one of the things that I do, um, is I ask literally, okay, for example, um, I just made a huge investment in my business and I was a little bit nervous, obviously like partying with a good amount of money is scary for me, but like it is for everyone. But I asked myself, okay, if I want to take my business from the level it's at now to maybe doubling it in the next year, what would the person who is already at the level that I'm trying to get to, what would they do in this situation? And so, you know, you can make it like, what would Oprah do? What would like, is someone, so for me, the tool is looking at what, what am I trying to create? So I know that you, you know, we met through Nagar and I love Neg because she literally embodies she has no body hangups. Like she might get triggered here and there, but she is like the person that if I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to love myself, mm-hmm. I would ask, what would Nagar do in this situation? Would she just own it? Would she just show up? Would she just, you know what I mean? So I think <laughs> looking to a person who is maybe have it, has the lifestyle or has the thing that you're trying to, and, and over time start with the emulation. And then over time you actually start to become that person. So the, as a principle says, you know, start acting as if you are already the thing you're trying to achieve. So for me, if you're, if you're feeling imposter syndrome, ask yourself, okay, you know, if I'm trying to build my business, what is someone who is maybe a year in two years in three years in what would they do in this situation? Would they make the jump? Would they press publish on the podcast? Would they go on Facebook live? Would they be scared of doing video? And probably they would do all those things. They would choose to get outside their comfort zone. So for me, that's the reminder of what would the person who I'm trying to be do in this situation? Mm -hmm. And then that circles back to your point about how important a tribe is, because, you know, if you're spending your time with those people who inspire you and who are maybe a few steps ahead of you or just doing different things, like it just propels you to take that action as well, or at least makes it a little bit easier. It really does. And it's um, because you see examples of it, right? So Danny and I actually just did a podcast on the best life called um, Courage to Live an Unconventional Lifestyle. And one of the tools that we mentioned was finding examples out in the world of people being successful at the thing that you want to do. So for example, if you have your family members or you know people around you asking you, when are you going to settle down? Are you going to get married? Are you going to get the house? Or why are you still renting? And all these kind of more traditional 
questions that sometimes we get from family and friends and they're well-meaning, but sometimes they make us feel like we're not living the right lifestyle. So a lot of people, I have an internet business, people don't really know what that is. They go, do you think that's going to last? Or, you know, when are you going to get a real job? Or, you know, and you're getting these kind of more traditional based questions, culture-based questions. And so a lot of the tools that we use is like going, okay, if I decide not to get married again, or if I decide to do internet business, who is a woman who is successful at that, maybe not married, but like still like loving life, being successful and then going, okay, there are examples out in the world of people who have the lifestyle or doing the things that you want to do. And so I think having a tribe or a a mastermind gives you that support and that courage, maybe even a borrowed courage for a little bit until you feel that inside. Yeah, totally. Like I, I don't fully subscribe to the like fake it till you make it, but it does help in the beginning stages for sure to just like, you know, go after it, even if you don't have that confidence right away, because it'll come by doing that stuff. You have to. I mean, it's the only way that our confidence grows is by stepping outside of our comfort zone and then looking back and seeing that we did the thing, right? Looking back and seeing that we've survived it is going to lend more confidence and more competency to take the next step. So yes, I do actually subscribe to fake it till you make it, but at some point you have to make it. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Um, so kind of moving on more to like the business side of thing, I guess, like being an entrepreneur, like I, I know from experience that it can be really easy to get caught up in like everything that needs to be done in a day. So even for our listeners who don't necessarily have a business, but who are in corporate or just have a million things that are on their to-do list, it seems like it's never ending and they don't have the time to prioritize themselves. What kind of advice do you have for them? Yes. So this is, um, this is tough. We actually did a podcast as well on this, on getting your time back or, or structuring your time. So one of the things, one of the biggest insights that I can give people, whether you're trying to, maybe you're in corporate America and you're trying to build a business, like when you get home or maybe early in the morning, I'm actually doing a free course right now called Action Academy. And a lot of the people in the course are trying to build their social media, trying to build their online business, but they're working full time. So they're getting up and doing their Instagram and social media posts at like 5am. And so, you know, yes, audit your time, but what's more important than time management is energy management. So energy management is like, okay, do I have maybe oscillating energy throughout the day? So most of us, you know, this doesn't surprise us, but people report that their healthiest meal of the day is breakfast. And that makes complete sense because we wake up and we're fully recharged from sleeping. So we're able to make a good, healthy decision. We make our worst nutrition decisions at the end of the day because there's decision fatigue all day long. We're making decision after decision, literally thousands of small choices all day long to the point that we just, we just don't have the mental space available to make a better decision. We can't corral our willpower. Whatever that looks like. And so for uh, me, what that looks like is having little energy recharges strategically placed throughout the day. And this is tough because a lot of us feel like we can't do that or we can't get away, but they've shown in research that even like five minutes of meditation can help you reset your mental energy. And so that's going to give you that little bit of recharge so that by the time you get home and it's time to work on your online business or to do the thing, you're not going to be so exhausted that all you can do is watch television. You have to have these mini little recharges. This is hard for me. This is what I call downtime and strategic downtime. And it was really hard because I was someone who felt like I needed to be busy. If I wasn't busy, I wasn't doing something. I didn't have a to-do list. I wasn't feeling worthy or I wasn't important or whatever that looks like. And I was driving a sense of self-worth from being busy. And so to have, I actually read a book called The Powerful Engagement, The Power of Full Engagement by Tony Schwartz. And he was like, we need to have block time where we work very focused. And then we need to have downtime throughout our day. And I was like, uh, I can't just like sit on the couch right? Like I can't just read a book on the couch for 20 minutes. Like that's not going to be okay. 
for some reason, my self-worth was wrapped up in being busy, a busy bee. And so I didn't really get that until I started doing it. And I was like, wow, I'm getting so much more done in these little mini block times than I was getting do, do working 15 hours a day. And so that was a really eye-opening experience for me that I could get more done in two hours of actual productive work than I was getting in like 15 hours sitting at a desk and trying to do all these things and multitasking. So I think one of the biggest insights is if you're trying to be productive or you want to prioritize, it needs to, you need to have that built-in downtime. And that feels really hard to take, especially if you're someone who is, you know, feels like you have a lot of priorities and you're trying to juggle the kids and all this stuff. Maybe you take five minutes of meditation. Maybe you do a 20 minute walk after dinner. Maybe you get up in the morning and, you know, sit on the couch with a, a you know, some coffee and just silence for 10 minutes. Like having these little recharges are super important and it's really hard to make that time, but I guarantee you, you're going to get the time on the back end because you're going to get so much more done. Yes. You heard it from Jill Coleman. She said to take the breaks. It's not just me. Yep. And you'll be more productive. (laughs) It really works. And I was like, so blown away by that because again, it wasn't the way I had, I had thought if you're not busy, then you're not doing anything. Right. I grew up in that like very hard work ethic type family Totally. You know, so for them, even if I'm visiting my family, like if I'm visiting my family and I'm like laying on the couch reading a book for an hour, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm (laughs) I'm reading a book (laughs) on the couch. Yes, it's a Tuesday. Yes, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's totally fine. And so it's um it is definitely interesting because it's not normal. I think a lot of people are busy. I don't think that all that many people are productive. Yes, big difference there. You've mentioned a couple books um that you have been enjoying lately. Do you have any other like specific resources, whether it's a book, a podcast, anything like that that you want to share with our audience? Hmm. I mean, obviously the best like podcast. Obviously. It's more of a lifestyle (laughs) podcast. Yeah. But we do get into a lot of this stuff. Um, I have some like, you know, business podcasts that I love. I'm a huge fan of Amy Porterfield's marketing Mm -hmm. easy podcast. She's really great. Um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, I love Lori Harder's podcast. Um, Chris Harder is also her husband and he has a podcast called for the love of money. If you're someone who maybe has some like blocks around money or you feel like you're in scarcity a lot of the time, um, you know, he does a lot with helping people overcome money blocks and mental, you know, kind of struggles that maybe we have with abundance and all that kind of stuff. So I love his podcast. He's doing really great work and he talks a lot about giving back and generosity and, and charity work and things like that. So it's not... Yeah. I mean, I think we have this kind of negative connotation about money. It's like, oh, it means we're greedy or we're, you know, some sort of, you know, snake oil salesman. And I think really money can do a lot of good, but we have to be open to receiving it. And so sometimes we have some blocks around that. So I'm really loving his stuff now. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Byron Katie's work is always my go-to for mindset stuff. Like I have um, a, a thousand names for joy, which is one of her books on my bedside table. And I just read like a chapter a night or two chapters a night. They're really short, but it just gives me that little bit of a, a focused reset on if I'm feeling all scattered or if I'm feeling in victim mode, or if I'm feeling out of my power, I just read a couple chapters of that, you know, most days of the week just to have that little reset. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. And for those of you listening, I'll make sure to put those in the show notes. So, um, you can go back and find those for yourself. So last thing, um, where can we find you online? Like what kind of stuff, like, where do you want to send us? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So I obviously love talking to anyone. I'm a huge in like the Instagram DM. I love that. Um, send me a DM on Instagram at Jill fit. Um, I'm Jill fit on all the social media handles and I love hearing from people. So just, even if you just want to share your own experience or if anything in the episode kind of like hit, hit a, 
um, a spot for you. I would love to hear about that too. So feel free to reach out. I'm pretty responsive. Um, and then it's just at jillfit.com. If there's things that you want to go more in depth, I've literally probably written a blog on every single thing that we've talked about here. There's like 700 pieces of content on that site. So jillfit.com and then at jillfit on social. Awesome. Yeah. And I can, uh, I can definitely say like Jill's got some amazing, super quick and efficient workouts that she posts on her Instagram stories and on her Instagram feed. She's got some great workout programs. So highly recommend checking her out. And again, all of that will be in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jill. This was super informative. I feel like we covered quite a bit of ground in like 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a great interviewer. Yeah. It just, we just kept it, kept it going. Cool. Thank you. And yeah, you have so much knowledge to share. So it was really amazing to be able to pick your brain on these things. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. Thank you so cool. much. Yeah. Have an amazing day and uh, we'll chat soon. Sounds good. Bye. Okay, cool. Bye. So there you have it, you guys. Wasn't that a great episode? She has so much knowledge to share and I'm truly grateful to Jill for taking the time to hop on this little podcast here. As she mentioned in the interview, um, we would both love it if you would reach out to her on Instagram, shoot her a DM, slide in there, and let her know what you thought of the episode. If you have any questions, she's super open and loves to just connect with people. So go over and find her at Jill Fit on Instagram. Send her a DM, let her know what you want to know, and let me know what you liked about this episode. I will put all of the links to all the resources and podcasts and everything that she mentioned in the show notes, so do not worry. And with that, I will see you guys next week. Have a great day.